0: afternoon from the racing capital of the world speedway indiana my name is nick sturgeon your host thank you for listening to episode 72 of the cyber.now podcast your number one spot for learning about all things tech cybersecurity, politics and policy i want to thank all of you who are listening to this episode right now for taking time out of your day to listen to the show so today's topic is one of those that i have been thinking about doing for a little while and there's just so much around it. Even now, I'm still having some difficulty on how to put everything together. And it's something that's been bothering me, at least the, the crux of the topic that's bothering me. And it, it's just something that I think it does have serious cybersecurity and privacy implications and more so serious Fourth Amendment implications, and that is this thing that is called the FISA and FISA court. And specifically, one of the the things that you will hear politicians call it is Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Now, the... I guess we'll call it the the latest original (laughs) because actually the foreign intelligence mandate goes back much further than 2008. But in the context uh, that we are talking about it today goes back to 2008 with George W. Bush. Now the last reauthorization actually happened in 2017. So we're, you know, about three years from when it was fully reauthorized. Trump, and I have to admit, and I don't like this about Trump is that he was behind it. And there were many folks on the Senate side as well as the House side that were supportive obviously because it passed now there is what i don't understand especially about the the trump support is the whole thing around his campaign and the abuses of this by the fbi are a direct result of fisa so i don't get that why He would be so supportive of this tool of the federal government that was used against him. Again, I, I just don't understand it. And like I said, there's been a lot, a lot written about this in the last three years. And it would probably be something we would have to, and probably will get into more of. Down the road, but really, the reason I'm doing this particular episode is really just to prime the pump, and and that's mainly because (laughs) um, on Wednesday I'm going to be interviewing Lindsay Marie, friend of the show from townhall.com, and this is one of those topics we are going to cover. Now, I just want to really set the stage today of what FISA is, what is Section 702, and and really just start developing that conversation as we go forward, because we have heard a lot about this, and specifically around Trump's campaign in 2016, and Carter Page, and the Inspector General of the DOJ, Michael Horowitz, in his report that came out late last year, and the grave injustices and the massive failure of the FBI and the massive malfeasance from those agents that, on not one occasion— But 17 occasions deliberately gave misinformation to the FISA court about their need, the government need. And that's really what it comes down to. That's the only standard that a government agency like the FBI, NSA, CIA needs to approach the FISA court and say, hey, we have a need. And if you follow this at any point or level, the government will always have a need. So, and I'm really surprised I'm finding myself in agreement with the ACLU. It's not the only time, but it's still not something that I find myself doing a lot. But I want to read this from their website on Warrantless Surveillance under Section 702. It states, under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, the U.S. government engages in mass warrantless warrantless surveillance of Americans and foreigners' phone calls, text messages, emails, and other electronic communications. Information collected under the law without a warrant can be used to prosecute and imprison people even for crimes they have nothing to do with. And actually, let me restate that because I don't like the way that this is written. Even if those people and the things that they are being prosecuted in prison for have nothing to do with national security because there's the crux. 702 and the foreign intelligence is a national security tool, not a domestic one. So let me get back to the the article here. Given our nation's history of abusing its surveillance authorities and the secrecy surrounding the program, we should be concerned that Section 702 is and will be used to disproportionately target disfavored groups whether minority communities, political activists or even journalists. Now, I, I kind of lose them at the that last sentence there, but the point is that this thing can be targeted to whomever they want. And if there is a political rival or folks within just you and I that are speaking out against, The government, we should be concerned that a federal agency could open up a case and then go to this court and start spying on you and I. Now, one of the things I really don't understand too, and going back is Trump wanted to make this thing permanent. He wanted to make this law permanent. And again, that, that blows my mind. Well, According to the ACLU, what is wrong with this? Well, first and foremost, it does allow warrantless surveillance of people inside and outside the US. My concern is more of the US citizens, whether they be inside or outside the US. Just because we're outside the country doesn't mean we lose our constitutional rights and protections. Number two, despite the fact that the law is not supposed to be used to target Americans, the government has been doing just that for years. And we can see that with Carter Page. The information that is collected under 702 could be used and likely you wouldn't know if it was being used against you. Number four, Section 702 is used to examine communication flows in and out of the U.S. in bulk. Now, we want to talk, and the government wants to get on big tech about using bulk data to be used, quote-unquote, to manipulate you or against you, but yet they're doing the same thing. And the government has one tool in its toolbox that private companies don't, and that's force and imprisonment. Number five, surveillance programs have been abused by the intelligence agencies. We have seen that. Whether you like him or not, Snowden did reveal the abuses of these programs. Number six, there is little that prevents Section 702 from being used against critics, activists, religious minorities, or communities of color. I would just say there is little that prevents them to use it against Anybody in the U.S., we've out that other stuff, but more so, I would say, those that speak out against the government, which is a major fear. The program is not subject to any meaningful judicial oversight. Absolutely agree. That should probably be number two or three. Because it's secret, there's only a handful of people that know what is going on. There is no meaningful recourse for you or I if this was to be used improperly against those agencies or even the the individual agents should they misuse this. Number eight, they say the government has deliberately chosen to hide the impact of the program from the government. They do that all the time. The government lies to you and gets away with it. There's that old saying that you can lie or you can't lie to the government, but the government can lie to you. Happens all the time. And the last point they make Section 702 surveillance chills freedom of speech and association. Absolutely agree with that. If the common sense gun laws are whittling away at the Second Amendment, 702 is one that would whittle away at the First Amendment. Again, I'm not always supportive of the ACLU. There are some things that they do. I'm saying, okay, fair enough. You guys are doing good. Other things that I'm like, "Mm, don't get, can't get behind that. The whole thing that is used by the senators and the president and the congressmen and others in government to get this thing reauthorized back in 17 was fear. The fear that there's another 9-11 style attack that will happen and if we're not doing our due diligence by spying on everybody, then we won't be able to know it. We won't be able to prevent it. They use that fear all the time. Um. So, a little bit more history on FISA, and this is from the Brennan Center, It, and I think this is, yeah, the second article on their post, it says, since the 1970s, there have been laws in place to safeguard the rights of Americans in foreign intelligence investigations, but some of these laws have been significantly weakened since 9-11. While others were too weak to begin with, the inadequacy of civil liberty protections in the law creates enormous potential for abuse without any corresponding security benefit. Let's say that again. There is no corresponding security benefit. Uh, From, again, the Brennan Center, it says Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, this law was passed in 2008 to legalize President George W. Bush's warrantless wiretapping program, which he was presumably doing beforehand illegally. It removed the requirement in place since 1978 that the government obtain a warrant from the FISA court. So again, the, the court itself has been around, but it's the newer application, and I'd say newer going back to 2008, but they had to obtain a warrant from the FISA court when seeking to wiretap communications between a foreign target and an American from inside the U.S. Now, what has happened in 2008 is that requirement went away. They didn't need a warrant. They went to the the court said, hey, we're going after this target, and they, and according to this last sentence in the, the paragraph, it says the FISA court must approve the general procedure for Section 702 surveillance, but does not approve individual targets. So they weren't necessarily having to tell the court which targets that they were going after. Although the target must be a foreigner overseas, Section 702 surveillance is believed to result in the quote-unquote incidental collection of millions of American communications. Agencies make broad use of these communications, notwithstanding the fact that Section 702 requires them to minimize the retention and sharing of Americans' information. For instance, the FBI may comb through Section 702 data, for for information to use against Americans in ordinary criminal cases, absolutely a violation of the U.S. Constitution, and they list a couple of other provisions here from Executive Order one two three 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 or twelve three thirty three, and then Section two fifteen of the the Patriot Act, and, and I bring this up again. Specifically, what has gotten me just really upset, if you will, and concerned is when we look back at the malfeasance of the FBI and their handling of the FISA application against Carter Page, there were 17 specific things. That the FISA court pointed out that the FBI did wrong. I can guarantee you that this isn't the only time. If they were brazen enough to do it not once, but 17 times for Carter Page, do you think that they wouldn't be brazen enough to do it for some Joe Schmo like you or I? Absolutely, infallibly, a violation of the Constitution, and of our laws. But what has happened to those agents? Well, right now, or in the FBI in general, is they just got a stinging rebuke from the presiding judge over the FISA court. Really? That's all they're going to get? When I was in law enforcement, when I went after a warrant I had to swear to that court under oath that the information that I was providing to the court for the probable cause to go arrest somebody to take their freedoms away was as accurate and was truthful as it could be. Had I deliberately put misinformation in that warrant, in that probable cause. And it was found out that I did that. And I just, as a side note, I never did that. I was absolutely always 100% factual and put the information as I had it, as it was. Never did I deliberately misinform a judge, but had I done that, I would be breaking the law and not only would I get fired, but I could get sued and I could be thrown in jail. But under the FISA court, there are no such guarantees. There are no such structures or controls in place. And there's no, for lack of a better word, retribution should the FBI or other federal agencies misuse this power, either by us as individuals or entities, there's no way we can go back and hold them accountable because it's all secret or all top secret information. The oversight, or I should say lack thereof, is one of the biggest dangers that we face with this type of tool that is supposedly being used to protect us against these so-called bad guys these monsters that are out there and there are some monsters and there are people that want to attack us and hurt americans i'm not saying that they're not i'm not naive but because of technology the way that we communicate the amount of data that is out there about each and every one of us and that can be collected by the federal government And for those that have potentially a bone to pick with the administration or those that they don't see politically eye to eye with or who they view as political adversaries is dangerous as hell. If this type of malfeasance happened in the quote unquote civilian world with civilian police agencies, there would be people going to jail. Police officers, detectives, heads of agencies would be going to jail. But because it's the FBI and the federal government, we are not seeing squat. And that should make you all very, very upset. It makes me upset. People lying to the court about the information they have, knowingly, intentionally deceiving the court, we should not stand up for it. The safeguards that were supposedly in place on this to keep this from happening, if there were any, obviously failed. And shame on the 66% of the US senators in 2017, and God knows how many of the House that voted for this. And looking at some of the names of the people who voted for this. They are still in power. Cory Booker. Let's see who our friend, Diane Feinstein, voted for it. Chuck Schumer voted for it. Who else do we have here? Mark Rubio. Bill Nelson from Florida voted for it. Let's see my, and Joe Donnelly, he's not there, voted for it. He lost his reelection campaign, but Mike Braun, I believe, is for this. Can't say that for sure, because not necessarily gone on record by a vote yet, but Senator Todd Young, now the senior senator from Indiana, voted for this. Ted Cruz, Susan Collins. Oh, who else do we have here? Senator-wise, that's a, a bigger name. Uh, let's let me let's go through here one more time. Bob Corker, all voted for this. Lindsey Graham, of course. Lindsey Graham, along or Lindsey Graham, along with John McCain, never saw a war that they weren't willing to send somebody else to, or somebody else's son or daughter to. It this should make us all mad. Now some notables who didn't vote for this. Rand Paul is probably the biggest one in this list who's been a constant friend of liberty. So I, I think I'm to the point where I'm going to be beating a, a dead horse, at least on the the dangers and the abuses of this. I've got a few links that are going to be in the, the show notes. Of some of the history and some of the reports, specifically about uh, the IG's report, and, and the Mueller report, and then just the reauthorization of FISA. That I suggest you go out and and read. Um, as we get into it, we'll start talking about more of maybe the technical side and look specifically at the direct issues when it comes to the fourth amendment and what that leads to. But with that being said, I think I'm going to end the show there. So that will be it for this week's show. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to Cybertech Midwest as we get going here in the next couple of months for the partnership If you want to join in on the conversation, go to the show's webpage at cybernowpod.com. Visit us on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore polititech or email me at nick at the polititech.com. Finally, if you think this show is worthy, go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all that, I promise I'll be back to do this thing once more. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.